20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2, only on Hulu, Friday. Look at us, all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots, shots, shots! This Friday. He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Vacation Friends 2, rated R, streaming only on Hulu, Friday. The death lineup is back. We're a day early because I will be in Las Vegas this weekend, so I needed to get some of the stuff that I usually do during the week. I needed to move it up, so... Brian was able to join me Wednesday evening, and we're going to talk a little bit of Warriors. And, Bri, it has been uh, a week and some change since the Warriors have been kicked out of the playoffs. You've been watching some of this playoffs. Do you think the Warriors had any sort of chance whatsoever against Denver if they had um, passed the Lakers? If they got past the Lakers, it was going to be in seven. So, no, they had no chance. Uh, they were going to be super tired. And I feel like that's kind of what killed them a lot in the Lakers series. So, I think they could have gotten a game or maybe two just based on how the way they've attacked Jokic in the past. But they're, Denver's playing at a different level right now. I don't think they would have won the series. I would agree with you. I think the one thing that is a little bit different from what I saw with LA is that as Good as LeBron played, like LeBron played really good basketball. They didn't have anybody. And I guess Austin Reeves would be the closest person to hit that dagger shot to put any fear whatsoever in Denver. I think Denver played that series going like, okay, we can let them have theirs. We're just better. We're not really scared of anybody. Like at, at the end of the series, uh, they knew that LeBron was so tired. So they're just, leaving him open. They just didn't want him to get to the paint. And I think that's what that's what they would have been scared of is Steph or Clay going nuclear and swinging the crowd and getting the crowd crazy. And then if you're Denver, you're like, oh, no, we've seen this before. So I think Denver would have beat the Warriors in six. But I do think Steph Curry gets them two games at least. Do you think there's a shot Sacramento got a game off of Denver? I think they're. I think Sacramento could have gotten a game or two out of Denver. Yes, I think so. I mean, Minnesota got one. They almost got two because they're just so athletic and fast, and they would put Jokic into stuff that would probably tire him out a little bit. Um, they, you know, they they don't really have the the big to sit there and 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 so Jokic would also get his, but I think they would probably make him make him run around a lot and and. Yeah, but still, I think Denver's the best team. We 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 saw that during the regular season. We also thought that even though you know we were kind of looking at the stats late in the year, going like, "Oh man, they're losing all these games and they're not that good on the road." But if you wanted to say Milwaukee or if you wanted to say Boston, uh, I would. Those are arguable. But Denver was, you know, regular season wise, at least they seemed like they were the best team, and I'm glad to see them in the finals. Now on the other side. Did you see the Miami Heat thing coming? No, I've been I've been counting them out literally the entire every time. <laughs> like Bucks, I said this wasn't going to be a serious series. Bucks and five, Giannis goes down. Yeah, 
I don't know if this is a hot take. I don't think it's a hot take. If Giannis doesn't get hurt by Kevin Love, I think Milwaukee wins that series. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he comes back. Miami has momentum. Miami senses that if they get game, I want to say it was four and go up 3-1, that it was over. And I feel like they just, like, turned on the Jets even when Giannis was back and were like, we can't give this game up. We can't we can't not let it get to 3-1. And then they took the next game, too. I think, and then against the against New York, I thought that, I thought that Milwaukee was being stubborn in how they guarded Jimmy Butler, and they were like, "Oh, we have uh, we have Drew Holiday, we have like the best pound for pound defender in the league, so we're just gonna let him go straight up one on one against Jimmy." And Jimmy just torched him the entire time. So I thought New York would watch that and go, "Okay, let's double Jimmy and make their supporting cast beat us because the supporting cast hasn't beat them, beaten really anyone all season. That's why they weren't that good because their supporting cast couldn't shoot threes." And they shot well against Miami, and they went on to shoot well against New York. And I was like, okay, well, no way Boston loses to them, right? And it's just like, I feel like I'm going to pick Denver, and I'm just going to, like, screw over Denver if, if both teams go to the if, – if Miami doesn't blow a 3-0 lead, which has never been hap- done in NBA history. You know why I didn't think that Miami was going to do much is because even though they took Boston to the limit last year, I just always felt that Boston was going to win that series because of the talent – and so when they won, I was like, yeah, that's kind of, you know, the Miami took it about as far as they could take it. I did not see this fourth, uh, this fourth level or whatever you want to call it, this next level. I didn't see it in them, the, the playoff turn up. I just like, thought, I feel like I feel like I need to, like, study this team. Like, what the hell happened? Like, I feel like and when a team does really well, like, say they go to the finals or something like the NBA is a copycat league, right? Like, you want to see what they did well put that into your own formula, whether it's roster, whether it's game plan and just, you know, it's, it's a copycat league. I can't tell you what Miami's doing. Like I, I don't, I genuinely, don't. is it literally just like Jimmy Butler has been like a top three player this whole time. And we just didn't know that. Like <laughs> it's, I, I just don't know what to copycat really. It just feels like such a weird, it, it all just still doesn't even feel right. He is a man possessed and he is feeling it. He's feeling the momentum. He probably feels like, He's in a zone right now, and I don't think Denver, the way that they play defense, they're not really going to stop him. He'll he'll still be able to do stuff and, and do it at a high level, and it's going to be a really good back-and-forth series. It, it, you know, you come down to who's the best player on the court. It's probably going to be Jokic, and that's probably why they're going to win, but yeah. it's an interesting series, and we're already calling it for Miami. They're up 3-1. You know, if, if any city can come back from 3-0... It's Boston. I know that's what they're thinking. Yeah. And like if any city, it's going to be us. But we'll see. They, they, you know, they, they come home and then they go. Uh, they, would have, they would have to win home away home to close them out. So two games at home, but you got you to win one at a time. So that's going to be an interesting thing to see. Because, you know, the, I, I just figured, okay, Miami's going to close it at home because just the thought of having to go back to Boston – and then if they can actually win two in a row, then there's momentum, and then you got to come home, and there might be some tight butt cheeks going on at home. I thought they would close them out, but kudos to Boston for not getting closed out on on the road. Yeah, um, they've been man, they've been so disappointing. Like that's another one where it's like I I genuinely feel like in today's NBA, like if I were to try to create a team from scratch from like a laboratory, like I'd probably create the Boston Celtics. Just your best two players are these two-way wings, hypothetically. You've surrounded yourself with 3 and D players, guys who can guard point of, the atta- point of attack defense, guys who can play really well help defense. Your center and Rob Williams 
like doesn't really command anything offensively. He's just pure defense, doesn't really get played off the court. Al Horford, a strong vet who could just space the floor and play good defense. Like I just, they just, you know, I feel like their, their kryptonite is just butt cheeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they're just the ultimate butt cheeks team. Oh man. Yeah. They're, there's going to, it's going to be a long off season if, if uh, they lose it, or I mean, more than likely going to lose, they could make it interesting. Though. Yeah. I mean, we said their weaknesses when they were going up against the Warriors on how Jalen Brown's dribbling, kind of dribbling into a wall, like just because he thinks he's more athletic than people. Marcus Smart's decision making down the stretch, Tatum's uh, lack of physicality going to the rim. Like those were all pretty prevalent in our series. And I feel like the only thing that's gotten better this time around is Tatum's less afraid to go to the rim, less yeah. afraid of contact going to the rim. The Brown thing's still there. The Smart thing's still there. So that's definitely concerning. All right, let's turn to the Warriors offseason. And last week, we talked a lot about Bob Myers. We talked about some of the things that they may do, but I wanted to hold off the larger Jordan Poole, Draymond Green conversation. And so I figured, you know, it's a slow news week. Nothing's really happening. Everyone's kind of waiting to, to see the playoffs. Though, you know, the franchise, the the decision makers, the the players, they are seemingly willing to talk a little bit more about that Draymond uh, Jordan Poole punch. So that's why we're talking about it now. Steve Kerr said, you know, definitely affected them. I've seen Draymond say that it definitely affected them. Well, I mean, duh, you know, we kind of figured that watching the way that they started the season. But my question to you is, can can these guys stay on the same roster next year or are they going to have these same issues now there's also a monetary thing right because draymond is coming up more than likely he's going to opt out and he'll be a free agent no i I say more than likely but we don't know maybe maybe the offers aren't out there and he decides not to but if you have to bring back draymond knowing how much they're into the tax is jordan Poole's contract the one that gets offloaded and it's so it's it's kind of a twofold deal there's a money aspect to it, but there's also a team chemistry aspect to it. And it's unfortunate that the guy who gets punched would be the guy that you ship away rather than the guy who punched. Yeah, but that's just the way that it is because Draymond is so Steve Kerr said, we are not a championship contending team without Draymond. That tells me they feel like Draymond is maybe the second or third most important player on this team. And that makes Jordan Poole like fifth or sixth. Yeah, um, that's just that's just life, man. The guy who gets punched is the guy who gets effed. Uh, that that's 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 what America's been this whole time, right? Oh, okay, uh, but no, I don't think I think short answer. Yeah, Jordan Poole's gone. I I don't think there's a um, I don't think there's a way you can repair this. Um, long answer. Yeah, I think he's gone too. But I, I just think <laughs> I think that you know. It's kind of cliche and, and kind of cringy, but but vibes is a legit thing. Like having good vibes around the team. Yeah. Like I was watching a video the other day um, of last year's bench, and we someone said something about this on Twitter and just got like immediately shut down. I'm like he was saying something dumb, but there's a clear distinctive difference between last year's bench on how they celebrated their teammates, how they celebrated big shots, how they celebrated little shots, how they celebrated. Uh, clinch, uh, clutch kind of games differing from how this year's bench with the la- lack of enthusiasm. And I feel like this, this Jordan Poole thing has kind of weighed over the whole team. It's been like a bad aura um, and it's Draymond's fault. But, you know, last year, I, I, the clip I was watching was just a Steph to GP lob. I, it might have been that one that got the cool picture 
but it could have just been really any step the GP lob. And G- JTA sees it coming from five seconds before it happens and just jumps as high as he can out of his seat into the air, and then the whole bench goes nuts. Like, that. that's just something that didn't happen this year, out, except for, like, a few select moments. And, you know, I just think that team vibes for championship teams are just, like, you, can, you should now, looking back at it now, like, I should have been able to see it night and day of just, you know, championship teams have a different t- type of, type of vibe type of feel around around them that they all have this collective goal and they all are striving for it together when i feel like this team was just you know a lot of lot of other outside noise leaking in um there's reason for that though right when you have a damian lee when you have a jta those guys know what their role is yeah moses moody and, and jk think that they should be on the court those guys I, knew that they 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 should not have been on the court in in bigger moments. In some instances, yeah, they're good role players. They you know they they could be called on to play a, a good you know a good four minutes that the Warriors need. But these other guys, Moses Moody, J.K., they believe that they're good and that they could play big minutes now. So that's where the frustration comes in is that they don't even think they should be on the, on the bench. And that's, yeah, that's why a great not. point. And I also think adding to that, no, that's a, actually an excellent point because yeah, they're not going to be too excited jumping up and down on the bench because they feel like that should be them. But from the JTA and Damian Lee standpoint of being the vets who are just being like hyper on the bench, like I feel like Jermichael Green was maybe supposed to take that kind of role, but no, that, that guy's dude, not, that, 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 guy's, that, that dude thought he was supposed to play too. <laughs> that, yeah. That guy's just like, I'm saying like in, in that stage of his career being yeah. that vet maybe, but no, he that's just not, doesn't seem who he is. At well, all, he thought he was going to be auto Porter. Right. And he saw, he probably saw what the warriors did in the finals where Otto is like starting. And he's probably like, yeah, that could be me. So when that wasn't him at all in the, in the season and then in the playoffs, then I, I could see him frustrated, but then Kerr goes and, and, and starts him in a couple games in that Lakers series, and then he hits two threes, and all of a sudden, you know, he, he probably thinks he should be playing again. But I, I'm, I'm not going to discredit these guys for wanting to get in and maybe not being the, the greatest cheerleaders I remember. This is actually very funny. I, I just thought about this. So I was a junior in high school, and I was, like, on the cusp of starting – you know, some things had to happen where, you know, some someone went into pitch and then I, I, I would play. And when I was not playing, I wanted to be such a good person in the dugout, you know, cheering and firing people up and keeping the noise going and, 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 and backing up my team. And my dad, your grandfather, was like, yeah, but you don't want to do that too much because then that's how they see you. They see you as that guy rather than as somebody who really believes that they should be playing. So there's a there's a fine line there. And, and that's actually an interesting uh, I'm, I'm sure there's someone has, has written a, a really smart piece about, you know, benches in, in that way. But the Warriors have, you know, they've had these high draft picks and, you know, James Wiseman, him having the long, sad face on the bench because he's not playing. They got rid of that problem. And they added somebody who knew knows his role. Gary Payton knows his role. So you exchange that, but you still have, you know, Moody and, and Kaminga. And next year, if they do not break the seal and they aren't seventh and eighth guy on the roster, it's going to be worse. I feel like. 
There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Yeah, um, it, it, yeah, it's, I'm just, I'm looking forward to this offseason, but I'm absolutely terrified of this offseason. That's kind of just where I'm at. Yeah, like, I, if you replace Jordan Poole, like, I just feel like you're going for a big fish. Like, you can't just sell low on his value or, you know, I just, I think whatever the Jordan Poole package is, it means you're getting rid of rotation players for the Warriors. And like, you know, I've seen trades of like, um, let's just say, like, I think I've seen a Siakam to the Trailblazers trade mm-hmm. where it was a three team trade and the Trailblazers had to get rid of the number three pick, which they could use for like a Brandon Miller who's ready to play right now, who they could plug and play right into the rotation. Not saying that's a good idea for them, but l- hypothetically, that's a rotation player they just got rid of in this p- potential Siakam trade. They're also getting rid of Anthony Simon in this potential trade their second best player the number two guy in the rotation and i think there was they're getting rid of uh nazir little who is also in their rotation like when you start to think about okay yeah we're getting a star player in siakam who's a proven all nba guy a two-way player but you're getting rid of three rotation guys who got heavy minutes like that doesn't start to that starts to seem a lot harder to uh stomach or or or, eh, or replace in some ways and you know, I, I feel like the more and more I see these Jordan Poole potential trades and, you know, we're losing a lot of rotation guys, only getting one guy in return. Like, that guy better be a guy. Well, OK, <laughs> so so here's here's what happened with the Lakers. The Lakers made this trade where, you know, Russ was the Russ being on the roster was worse off for the Lakers, even though when then he goes to the Clippers and he, he plays actually pretty well. So, but th- them getting rid of him actually helps the chemistry. You know, it helps the locker room. I'm sure it helps the relationship with the media, the and fit. so the fit. And so, what they do is they bring in Jared Vanderbilt. They bring in Malik Beasley. They bring in D. Deloading, and really, if you look at who played in the playoffs, none of those three guys really did anything in the Western Conference Finals. What it did was it allowed Austin Reeves to blossom. That's a good point. 
And so at the same time, though, they still didn't have a bench. They didn't have a bench that they could turn to. You're playing Tristan Thompson in 2023 minutes because you don't really have any size outside of Davis. And, you know, Jokic is giving you fits. Their bench was really lost. And you would have thought that what they did was to bring in pieces that could play. None of those guys could really play. You started to see Vanderbilt not even playing against the Warriors. And, you know, D'Angelo did have a couple of good games against the Warriors, but he also had a couple bad ones. So even when you make that kind of trade, you know, where you send a big fish away and you bring in pieces, sometimes it doesn't work. But in this case, what I wonder is if you talk to Moody and Kaminga and, you know, I, then it's also going to be PBJ and it's also going to be Ryan Rollins because you, you just have this influx of young guys and you it, Anthony Lamb is, is there and he's going to want to play. But you tell these guys like the stronger that our second team is. When you get to the playoffs, you guys become dependable and and we can actually trust you in these moments that, you know, maybe young players don't really get to play a lot and. You know, there's going to be this conversation about Jalen Green at some point. Like, can Jalen Green become the player that people think he can be? Is he going to do that on the Rockets? Or is he going to really need some structure and someone to go, hey, dude, like, you any, you know, you can score 20 points a game, no problem. But that doesn't mean you're going to be a good player. Like, you have so much ceiling left. And, you know, for, for JK or for Moody... If Jordan Poole is off this team, does that open up a spot for them? And they and because they they could be like blood in the water, right? For sharks, they're like, oh, I'm gonna miss the guy because he's a good guy. But guess what? I just went one step up that ladder, and I wonder if they see it like that. But then again, depending on if you do if you do trade JP, they're you're gonna probably bring someone back, and you know they they may step into that spot. But I, I just kind of wonder the psychology with these young yeah. guys. And what their the agents are telling them, what the coaches are telling them. How do you prepare for this season when it looks like the Warriors want to run it back? That's what it looks like. It looks like Steph, Clay, and Draymond are like, we deserve to run it back. This is not the last dance. This is, we still are running things. And so you got Kaminga and Moody just being like, great, but. If we were on this other team, you know, we're we're playing 25, 30 minutes a game and we're increasing our value. And, you know, they that's also a part of this is they aren't aren't able to increase their value playing on such a veteran laden team. Yeah. Um oh man. Yeah. You know, you know me. I was the I was I was the two timeline, two timeline pusher. Um, but I just I just have this feeling that the Warriors can't sit on their hands in the offseason, and I don't think they will, but I mean in terms of, uh, you know, not making any major moves. Like, I, I feel like I said this in our chat, but I, I feel like the Suns are looking to add their third star, and I think that the third star they're eyeing could potentially, you know, make them better, not like, you know, the Lakers going after Westbrook and, and screwing up their fit. I feel like Phoenix can maybe go for, like, a James Harden and, you know, Phoenix, then maybe the Lakers could be like, okay, well, if we want to stay relevant, we have to go get Kyrie Irving. You know, I just feel like you see what Jalen Rose said. What did Jalen Rose say? Jalen Rose said, uh, D'Angelo Russell not getting to play and Kyrie Irving being 
in the front row. <laughs> that, that 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 kind of tells you where things are going. That's what he said. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if that means that Kyrie's going, but he was kind of saying like, there, "There's a pattern here." Like, in well, know, okay, run, Kyrie, Kyrie went to I believe it was Game Five or Game Seven, seven of Warriors versus Kings. Yeah, kind of was, a random one there. for yeah. him to be there. But yeah, no, that that should be him just like looking at Palinka or looking at Bus and like, this is your point guard. <laughs> yeah um but no i just think i think the west is loading up and they always do but it, it it does feel like you know with kd and devin booker leading the suns and potentially getting a james harden i'm just saying like this warriors team running it back can't get it done like i i feel like you know this was a weird season and, and of course draymond pool punch thing steph i again i don't know if i could depend on steph for 65 regular season games that's why pool was so important in that position being another shot creator to you know, keep them alive for a lot of those regular season games. If you lose Jordan Poole, you really need to replace that with a shot creator. Um, and, and, you know, I don't, I just don't know. Uh, I just don't think they do nothing because I don't think this team running it back gets it done. So who do you know. gun to your head? LeBron James. Before, and, <laughs> before I, I don't even know if I want LeBron on this team. <laughs> uh, before the before the playoffs started, and I would have said, "Gun to your head, who would you rather have, Jordan Poole or Austin Reeves?" Who would you have said, Jordan Poole? Before the playoffs, one hundred percent Jordan Poole. But then I after think, the, after these playoffs, would that be the same answer? We're doing recency bias though, because after the playoffs, we would have we crowned Jordan Poole. You know, like I I feel like once defenses start adjusting to Austin Reeves, maybe he doesn't get the nicest whistle. I feel like his games his games just could potentially be what happened to Jordan. I feel like it's a similar type of player. But when you look at the ability to kind of guide the offense. Now, Austin Reeves does not have the athletic gifts that Jordan Poole has. Jordan Poole, he is so quick. He's almost he's he kind of psychs himself out he's so quick because he wants it to also look great. It's like, dude, you got the first step, just go. Um but there is a he didn't have a handle. He didn't ha- he didn't look like he was leading the offense as much when he was in. He looked like he was trying to create and then if he got stopped, then he had to do something else. So if he if he if he couldn't get to the basket, then something happened. There wasn't like he wasn't like uh in the in the rhythm of the offense necessarily. And maybe that's part of his freedom is that Kerr knows he has such a great ability to get to the hole and that's what we need. So if he has that opportunity, he can do it. But Austin Reeves, he looked like he was able to manage certain things. Like if guys got cold, you started to see him cook a little bit. And it wasn't just the uh, penetration, because that's not his strong point. It was get to the paint, fade away. It was, uh, you know, get, get uh, use a screen, get open, step back three. And that's the stuff that I feel like Jordan should be way better at, but he, he didn't, he wasn't this year, Um, you know, being able to take advantage of uh, a, a, a defense that maybe is focusing on Steph a lot. And then you go, Oh, we have this guy here who can, hit the open shot. That's what it looked like Austin Reeves did for the Lakers. And I kind of, yeah. I kind of wonder, I'm like, man, if Austin Reeves is in that Jordan pool spot, I wonder if the Warriors are still playing. Yeah. Uh, I feel like Austin Reeves had his Jordan pool moment. Like he, Austin, and maybe he did. He, it's possible that he did. 
he didn't he I, I just he didn't bother the Warriors until game five. Like he was nothing until game well, five. I thought Clay played him really well, actually. Clay played him excellently. That was like his counter was Clay. Yeah, no. Some of it is definitely recency bias, but it's good podcast fodder because yeah, you know, if you ask Laker fans, they're reacting to what he did and they're like, 20 million, you gotta bring him back. And and before the playoffs started, it was like how much is he going to get? Oh, he'll get 10, 11 million. And now like the, the numbers all the way up to 20. Uh, I don't know what the number exactly is, but you got to think that there's a team out there that is going to try and put that offer sheet out of the reach of what the Lakers would want. Like, let's say the Lakers are like, yeah, four for 60. And someone goes, oh, well, how about four for 80? And then do the Lakers match that? I think they probably do. But is he restricted free agent? Yeah. Um, Is he? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. He, I mean, he and Rui are restricted. Uh, D'Angelo how do you get? How does? How, I need to understand. I need to understand how that stuff works. I how think. He, he I think restricted? it's only a two-year thing for second-round draft picks. He was undrafted, though, right? Oh, is that what it was? So maybe, maybe undrafted is is, is you only have you only have a two-year deal rather than the yeah, I guess. three plus. I guess so. So yeah, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, do, he the thing is the thing about him is that. He fits a lot of young teams' timelines. Mm-hmm. You know, like he would, I'm sure a lot of those young teams with cap space, San Antonio, Houston, and they've got to be, they've got to, they've got to be eyeing him. So, and, and this is not me saying I want Austin and I don't want Jordan. I, you know, I, I don't make me pull out my Jordan pool cards right, right on camera to show <laughs> how much I like him, but it's just the, some of it is, is so unfortunate because you can see the lack of trust that he feels and that he has on the court. Like you could just see it that there was a problem and in a free and a, a loving spirited Jordan Poole, maybe that's a different player for us this year. And we wouldn't even be having this conversation. So that's why this conversation is so unfortunate because the human piece of this, which is, getting in a fight with your teammate who's supposed to be your bodyguard and instead is your bully, man, that's got to mess with you for a, a while there. So, yeah. Um, all right. We're going to, th- this show's not going to be our normal hour ish show because not a ton to, to talk about, but also cause I, I I'm scooting out of town and we, we kind of did this impromptu, but last week we introduced a segment called Bry's fits. And these are guys who are possibly going to be around when the Warriors select at uh, number 19 in this year's draft. Now, we, we talked about it last week. Who knows the type, the, you know, the, the type of fit they need someone who can step in and play versus these projects unless they stash them you know, in, in Europe or something. Uh, last week, it was Chris Murray. Bri thought that Chris Murray could step on the court and play some minutes for the Warriors today and so the next player that we're, we're bringing up and we're going to talk about is Derek Lively the second talk about Derek yeah I would like to preface this with you know this these these last two players and Chris Murray and Derek Lively they feel like I just went on Warriors Twitter and picked the first two names I kid you not me and my buddy Obi have been arguing these specific two players five months ago for the Warriors. Like we thought that these two were going to be available when they were picking and we thought these two fit. So like, I think it, it, that is just everyone else, I guess has a similar idea as us, but Derek Lively, Chris, Chris Murray, 
small forward. We we talked about him possibly playing the four stretch four. Derek Lively is a seven foot one center. Yes. And I could see the pushback if Warrior fans hear seven foot one center in the first round. We might start getting Wiseman flashbacks, but I, <laughs> fear, fear not. Um, Derek Lively is a he's 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 a super athlete, and he's he's you know the thing with Derek Lively, he is very. Uh, I I don't want to use. I'm going to say it though, but what you wanted Wiseman to be this year, you wanted him to be Javale McGee. Mm-hmm. This guy could be that on steroids. This guy, I think rim he, run, rim run, elite defense, block you know, shots, block shots has the potential to play a little defensive versatility where if he gets put into switches, you're not going to totally shoot yourself in the head. If he's put on a small forward or a power forward in pick and roll, he's going to play drop, but he sometimes plays this little like yeah, he, he, uh, he, he plays the, what is it? The, the cat and mouse game kind of well mm-hmm. in the pick and roll. Um, the, the thing that the thing that I, I, I feel like says warriors about him is that he doesn't like it's not that he doesn't really want to shoot, but he doesn't really want to shoot like he's not looking to get his whatsoever. He's just looking to dunk the ball in a lob situation. And I feel like that screams warriors basketball for the center position. Guys who are willing to play DHO, guys who are willing to catch the ball in the paint and say, oh, there's Clay Thompson wide open in the corner. Let's kick it to him. I think the thing that's intriguing about this guy is, you know, another Warriors thing in drafting, which might be lazy by Bob Myers. This guy was a number three high school recruit. (laughs) They love those guys, right? They love those guys. They love those guys. They love the top 10 high school picks who maybe took a step back in college, whether it's James Wiseman, whether it's Derek Lively, whether it's Good old uh, Nico Mannion, Jonathan Kaminga, <laughs> Moses Moody. Uh, I'm sure there's a couple more that Kevin Lo- Kevon Looney was a top uh, oh, high yeah. school recruit. He was supposed to be like top three until he got a major injury. He was uh, going to be Kevon. He was going to be Kevon Durant. Durant, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Derek Derek Lively in high school he showed that he did have a three point shot. Um, it looked good. Okay, but he only uh, shot 15 percent okay, last so, year. Yep. So in college, he did not shoot the ball well whatsoever he took i think i i saw a video that he took 17 attempts maybe like in all of college and you know the shot form looked a little different and it was nowhere near so i guess like you don't bet on the you don't when you're drafting this guy you're not expecting him to stretch the floor but it's like an added bonus if you could tap back into the some of that high school stuff but with Derek lively i just think that he's a center that can fit what the warriors do um, and I think he's very willing to be in that type of system. The thing with James Wiseman, which I feel like didn't work, is that if he didn't get his touches, he sulked. He, if he made a mistake, he sulked. But it was really like that guy wanted his. That guy wanted to get involved and and wanted like to score the basketball, wanted the basketball in his hands to put the ball in the hoop. Derek Lively's not like that. He's willing to play the system. He's an athletic, like he has very similar athletic traits like James. They both could run the ball, run the break quick as hell being seven feet tall. Like they could be down, back, down and back. I'd, I'd be interested in seeing like, you know, uh, down and back who wins James Wiseman or Derek Lively. Like I'm sure it'd be pretty close because they're both the, that kind of athlete. I just mm-hmm. think the difference here is, is that James Wiseman has more of an offensive bag. He's more versatile on offense, but he wanted the ball. The Warriors don't really want their center to have the ball in this kind of offense. Derek Lively fits that mold more. Derek Lively doesn't have offensive versatility, yet he's never he's not going to develop any like dribble pull-up stuff any like fade away mid-range stuff he's just going to be run dunk the ball and we cross our fingers if he develops a three-point shot that's it and i'm and i think i'm okay with that defensively though that's where he's super intriguing 
the block shots guy, the guy who you get switched on a forward and you're not totally bat- mad about because he can move his feet really well. You know, I think that there's a chance I, Derek Lively to me fits the new center mold that I really want for the Warriors that I feel like, you know, Kevon Looney is a little bit of, but it's, it's the Jalen Duran's of the world. It's the Mark Williams of the world. I remember when we went to that Detroit Pistons game, you were watching Duran and you're like, wow, that guy killed us. Like he's, mm-hmm. he could be a guy who just like kind of torments the Warriors for a couple of years, you know, little premeditated. He's a rookie, but he had a really good game against the Warriors. And I could totally see that he's that type of mold, yeah. that type of center, Mark Williams, Jalen Duran, high end of it is like a Nicholas Claxton, Rob Williams, uh, you know, uh, they that, might be able just, to get Rob Williams if they want him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, I think it's, it's a center that's not super involved offensively. Like it's, he's literally just there to, you know, do the, do the, the dunking and the lob catching, but defense, he's a threat. He's a guy who can versati- with versatility, who could potentially switch. I think that's the new mold for the center. Um, and I think that I want the Warriors to get one. Onyeko Kongu is another one. Uh, but, and Onyeka is a little smaller, but Derek, Derek Lively, you know, I think I, you know, I, I, if I pull up here, I think KOC has got him. It's got him shades of Willie Colley Stein. Yeah. So I'll, I'll read it. I, I pulled it up because I, I was very interested in, in what he said. And, and in his latest mock draft, which was last week, he does have them going, uh, to the Warriors at 19, uh, the, the, yeah, the pairing Willie Colley Stein, maybe the best case of, of Willie Colley Stein. We actually saw Willie Colley Stein in the pandemic year and he, he was not great. Um, but maybe if the Warriors were good, then maybe he's, he's he helpful. Been helpful. Yeah. All right. So here's the pluses that KOC has. You mentioned this, you know, just being a, a finisher. Um, also, uh, he can, uh, he has touch near the rim. And he KOC believes he could eventually develop the three-point shot. He says he's very comfortable in the corners, and he could have some untapped potential as a spot up. Loves to run the floor to get ahead of the defense. Is kind of what you're saying with Wiseman and him running a race. You know, getting Wiseman ahead of the defense because he can just beat the center down the floor. That was kind of one of the keys for Wiseman. Seven foot seven, seven foot eight wingspan. So this dude's got some long arms as well. Um, and he says, uh, impactful help defender who covers a lot of ground and takes off in a blink for blocks on the inside. Now, the minuses are a little alarming. <laughs> the term gentle giant is not necessarily the one you want to hear from somebody who you expect to be like a play some mean defense for the Warriors. Uh, he also said um, he's not vacuuming up the defensive rebounds like he did in high school partly because, you know, he's just so much more athletic than everybody in high school, so they were easier. So getting stronger needs to get stronger. Uh, and defensively, and this is some of what you were saying, he he may be a little bit too comfortable out there because he finds himself out of position in uh, defending the perimeter with, with handoffs and such. And just inconsistent effort at high school, but something that he improved at Duke, that is maybe the scariest minus of all of them. Because the effort thing, you know, when you play around Draymond and you play around Steph and you play around Clay, and these guys are soaking their jerseys in a regular season game because they want to win so badly, that's uh, that's definitely a minus uh, for someone who's such a young kid, too. Yeah, um, those are good points. Uh, I was going to, so I pulled up the NBA. They 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 kind of put together this list of routing you to different 
prominent mock drafts. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to read off some prominent uh, publications and, and where they had Derek Lively going. So CBS, they had Derek Lively going number 18 to the okay. Miami Heat. Um, that's one pick before the Warriors. They had the Warriors selecting Gigi Jackson, one of my guys. Not good for the Warriors. Um, so now we're in SB Nation. They had the Memphis Grizzlies selecting Derek Lively at number 25. Ooh, okay. So that's a pretty big drop-off. They had the Warriors selecting Leonard Miller of the G League Ignite. Derek Lively and, and uh, Jaron Jackson on the same team. Oh, Just God, yeah. Let what are them they go thinking? get shots and block them all. Yeah, you said what the ringer had. They had him um, going to the Warriors yeah. at 19. Um, the Athletic. Here's here's a, here's one. Is they it had Sam? Him going, Sid Vecini. It's Sam yeah. Vecini. They had him going number 10 to oh, the man. Dallas Mavericks. Um, and I think Yahoo had him going also to the Warriors. What about the Sports Illustrated guy? Oh, I guess he doesn't work for Sports Illustrated anymore. What is his name? The young guy. Jeremy something or other? Mm, I... Probably, I'd probably have to know a last name there. The NBA did have something going to Sports Illustrated. Where did I put it? Uh, did they? Maybe they didn't have Sports Illustrated on this. It's kind of messed up. Um, consent. Oh wait, maybe. Oh, maybe the NBA had one. Oh, there stops at fourteen. Thanks, guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think what I really like about this draft is that, as you just saw by me reading Derek Lively, who he's going to select him. Like, there seems to be a pretty, like, influx of of trepidation and, and hesitation from picks number thirteen all the way to twenty eight. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's what makes this draft class exciting. I'm more on the optimistic side of how I view this draft class, and I'm saying picks 13 or 14 through 28 like this draft class has a lot of lottery back end lottery talent all the way through 28 whereas some people might be saying it's pretty weak at 13 and it stays weak throughout the rest of it i'm more so saying i think there could be some back end lottery talent past you know where where it usually ends in the lottery so i don't know how far your your uh, your research goes but so ryan mentioned uh, tristan i think it's vucevic and, Nicola's brother? Uh, and uh I saw I saw some stuff that's at second round. Um but you know, yeah, like you know, I, I would imagine that anytime you get a big center, like that's the comparison uh is Jokic, right? Everyone wants to who's gonna be the next Jokic, you know, who you draft late because nobody knows who it is. So uh, I, I don't know anything other than uh, some of the stuff that I saw had him as like a second round pick. So that's kind of interesting because Serbian n- now uh, uh, now the joke, right? The joke on Instagram and, and Twitter and such is uh, Jokic was was so Jokic was so late in the draft that they ran a Taco Bell commercial over his pick because, you know, it was like the that round. So um that like that's that's that whole thing is a crapshoot. But Draymond Green is a second round pick, so you ha- there are gems in in the second round. I, I don't know yeah. if you can, you know. I, I know, know a few second rounders who I like for the Warriors. I mean, we're not talking about how many Santa picks Clark, do, I went do they in, only have the one pick in second round? Ooh, that's a good question. Do they even have a second round pick? I don't, I don't know if they do. I feel they, like didn't I they heard trade like it. five of them or whatever to the Hawks yeah. for Gary Payton. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so we're going to do a couple more of these in the next few weeks. Uh, thanks to Ryan for for the question. Um, and, uh, yeah, and so we'll be back next week. 
and we'll be talking uh, more, more Warriors, more offseason. Uh, I'm assuming there's going to be probably, we'll probably have to wait for the finals to be over and then there'll be movement, especially there's going to be movement from a free agent perspective because Draymond will have to make his decision. Um, but yeah, so a uh, short show, but you know, uh, the, the, there's bigger stuff coming, we know. And uh, next week, do you want to tease who who's going to be your prize fit for next week? Uh, we're probably going, we're, we've done a forward and we've done a center. We're probably going to start going to guard. Okay. We, that's a good enough tease. We don't have to tell them anything more than that. Uh, all right. Thank you for those folks who are watching live. Appreciate you all. And also for you folks listening on the pod. So for Bri, I am Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out. This is BJ Kissel from KC Sports Network. In case you didn't know, the show you are listening to right now, as well as our shows, are a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they work together. It's something we've actually done locally with our network in Kansas City as well. We're all stronger together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. Over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised more than $10 million to expand their team, podcast network, and business operations. Now, they are raising another round on WeFunder. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be a part of a growing startup. You can invest for as little as $100. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. BlueWire is raising money to expand their sales team and improve operations, which will in turn help this show continue to grow. If you would like to be a part of the BlueWire investment round or want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash bluewire.